You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Justin, damn it. (laughs) That's what his name is. Are you the host? Justin, me this week. (laughs) (laughs) Justin is joining you. Joining Davis. Thanks for job. (laughs) Scoop. (laughs) Scoop. Now let's check in with the job. (laughs) We'll do it live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Games Group. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Justin Davis, Sam Claiborne, Sammy. and Tina Amini. Hi, hi, hi. And we've got a great show for you this week. Uh, TGS has kicked off over in uh, Japan. We've got some news coming out of there. We're going to glance through the NES encyclopedia, Ooh. every game released for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Look, it's yellow, just like a, <laughs> an actual Ooh. NES. We're going to read through every single entry. No, we're not going to do that. We'll just glance through that. <laughs> okay. Um, we're also going to take a look at um, some notable uh, uh, anniversaries this week. There's notable, lots of notable games released this week in video game history, including a, 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 a whole console. Yeah, we're in like Gears 5 and Borderlands 3 kicked off like the fall holiday season. There's always like a September game every year. Yeah, but I was talking about games released this week. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, just saying like this were is the games actually, you were talking about released before the year 2000? Some of them were. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, let's talk about the new Resident Evil that was just announced, uh, actually coming out of TGS. Um, to temper everyone's expectations, this is not Resident Evil 8. It's not Resident Evil 3 Remake. It's one of the spinoffs. And just as a quick reminder, Resident Evil spinoffs tend to not be very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this one looks good, though. I mean, I Whatever hope it's it great. Whatever it ends up being. I hope well, it's looks great. looks good about it. And um, I'm not saying that in a challenging way. It's called, I just right, know you were right. watching it's the called, video yeah, yeah. It's called Project Resistance. Yeah. They, st- they, kept, they got RE in there somewhere. In, uh, they highlighted yes. it in red, so you know yeah. for a fact. What is yeah. going to be Re- in Japan? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Project Resistance. Yeah. Bioheart, biohazard, revengeance. I don't know. They Project made that revengeance. word up once. Um, it's a, f- it's asymmetrical four v one multiplayer game, like Evolve or like Friday the Thirteenth, Dead by Daylight. I can't believe we have a term for that now. I think asymmetrical. Yeah, is silly. Apparently, you don't it call it silly? a Left 4 Dead. Yeah. Mm. Well, it should, yeah. I get Left 4 Dead. Four v monster. I'm coining that. Four v monster. 4V Actually, monster. I think Evolve kind of used that as a tagline back when that. Four <laughs> v monster. So, in a, well, four v yeah, four v something. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it might even be 4V Monster. I'll look it up after. In I'm this sure one, a commenter will let us Don't take my idea. In this one, <laughs> four, people. four players are survivors. It's on, the, it's on the outskirts of Raccoon City. Four players are survivors running through the zombies. And then one player is the mastermind. 
and they're against the players and they're setting up traps. They're surveilling them on, on security cameras throughout cool. the city, setting up traps. And at some point they can take control of Mr. X. <laughs> they X. can also take uh, control of just fodder zombies too, which is fodder pretty zombies. cool. Yeah. <laughs> you can turn off the lights. Good coining too. And that's cool. I know. That's, that's what you, you do to traps. mess with people. You're like, <clears throat> okay, I got zombies. I got a giant man that can kill anything. But I'm going to switch up these lights. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's like every horror movie trope ever. You need that in there. Yeah, it's spooky, yeah. It's authenticity. spooky but it's not dangerous. Mm-hmm. He said they wanted something spooky. <laughs> well, have, so, are you kidding? <laughs> he said he wanted some spooky. Um, uh, Tina, you like you like the look of Project Resistance. Yeah, I'm, so Brendan previewed it for us, mm-hmm. uh, and he was talking about how actually a lot of the distraction methods, at least for the mastermind role, are what you need to rely on. So the light switch thing is not just a goof; mm. it's it's genuine. But it's a good goof. It's a good goof too. Um, but he, I was reading through, and he was talking about how uh, it was kind of difficult to play as mastermind, obviously, because mm. it's a little bit less familiar than just going around shooting things and apparently releasing like bear claw traps around your friends. Um, and he, you can, um, it's obviously a harder, like a bigger barrier to entry to get familiar with that kind of system. But it just, the way that he finally got into it and how he was describing it sounds complicated and fun because he did something like a, at the end, I guess. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, we're coining all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I know. Look at this episode. Copyright. Um, apparently at the end, there's like a last hall run to get to an elevator to get to this like last end of the chapter. Is there lasers? Uh, I, not according to Brendan, but it could have been and he could have just left it out. Um, but he said that once somebody got into the elevator, he was able to slow the elevator down. Cool. And so that separated him from his buddies because this person was really enthusiastic <laughs> about going forward and just finishing the map finally. So it's just, it's cool that you can take advantage of people's, you know, inner behavioral uh, mm. instincts when it comes to that kind of thing. What in-universe explanation could there be for just a person that messes with people in that universe? They're like, well, there's a zombie breakout. I'm in control. I mean. It's like, ha- what side do you want to be on, evil or good? Have you ever played a Resident Evil game? Are there There's not good l- in-universe <laughs> explanations for this stuff? I can barely remember. There isn't a lot of logic happening in that universe, I don't think. Huh. All right. I, what does Wesker want? He's yeah, he dead. He's bad. I just don't know what he wants. I'm sure he'll come back again. Death someday. Do they just want to give everybody some kind of virus? I don't even know. Yeah. I know yeah. the Plagas thing. They were like, we just need to infect everybody because they're like a cult. <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, yeah, not a lot of good evil motivations in that series. Well, Capcom has been upfront about uh, Project Resistance is not like a full game. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, I'm sure it'll be like a it budget, a budget the, uh, price release. It looks like it could have been in RE2 because it's the RE2 engine. Mm. And uh, it looks so good in that engine, which is really cool. But uh, yeah. they didn't have like a mercenaries mode. They had like the tofu escape mode and stuff. So I'm I was going to say, they're just like a little bit behind on developing it. It strikes me as one of those things that maybe started as DLC until it grew in scope. And they said, mm. oh, this is pretty cool. Let's or it's like a menu something. option. Like, who knows? Yeah. yeah. I want to see more classes where just four of them are tofus. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's tofu. tofu even. Yeah. I want a 4v1 yeah. tofu mode. Yeah. It seems really cool. It seems much better and more thought out than most Resident Evil spinoffs. You mean Resident Evil spinoffs like Resident Evil Survivor? Released in 2000, and it received a four from IGN. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's what, bad on our scale? What kind of game was it? Uh, I think it's like a, I meant even be like a light gun game. Cool. It's part of the Gun Survivor series. Uh, Relic of Chronicles was definitely like that. IGN set of Resident Evil Survivor in 2000. It's sort of like Capcom transformed into a meat processing company. Once it finished <laughs> cutting off the fresh Resident Evil meat, it took the rest of the game, the waist, the tendon, bone, cartilage, and whatever else, sphincter, spleen, eyeball, and fashioned a hot dog out of it. Resident Evil Survivor really is the remains of the series, just not the good parts. Ooh. Look, wow. we stopped hiring butchers after that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that analogy went really far. Do you think that's like the, the only way time we've up. used sphincter in a review? No. I need to Google this now. <laughs> uh, not when, when we reviewed Dead Space, we probably used sphincter. the word sphincter. In yeah, that was video. the name of the enemies. Yeah. Uh, what was, <laughs> um, sphincter morphs. <laughs> what was the author byline on that? That was a Doug Perry joint. Okay. Flashback. Oh. Um, there's also Resident Evil Dead Aim in 2003. I got a 6.9 from IGN. Resident Evil Outbreak file number two. I'm not sure what IGN gave it. It has a 58 on Metacritic. Okay. There was the Mercenaries 3D on 3DS. Which was just mercenaries just, mode, I guess. Gosh, I don't even remember that. Yeah, 2011. I really we gave like it, the mercenaries. We gave it a 6.5. Then there was Operation Raccoon City in oh, 2012. Yeah. We gave that another four. And our strapline was an actual zombie outbreak would have been less tragic. <laughs> Sounds like a one? two to me. That's I don't know. I was going to say, doesn't that imply that a zombie outbreak would get a high? It's going to get yeah. it gets a three on the IG. If we rated it, it will. Yeah, if we. 
if we rated zombie outbreaks, we would have. If we rated, rated disasters, I, I think is the ah, scale. Mm, right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Finally, there was Umbrella Corps in 2016, which I'd totally forgotten about. Huh. We gave it a 3.8. Yikes. Sounds like we are rating some disasters. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> so I just want to remind everyone, Resident Evil spinoffs. Not so good. Not so good. I hope Project Resistance is great, though. Well, it's supposed to go into beta, and they said they don't really know what it is. Yeah. what it is. And Closed beta in October. Be, yeah. Yeah. So we shall see. Beta. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a fully-fledged $60 game. <laughs> I don't think so. Probably not. No, I don't think that's what's Do going. British people really say beta? They yeah. say beta. They say Wi-Fi. They don't say Wi-Fi. Yeah. And they say Q. Did you know Wi-Fi, no, Wi-Fi doesn't stand for anything? Wireless. Well, it's kind of like hi-fi, like fidelity. But that, that's, it's like a meaningless hmm. word. Why are you holding your PSP? What in tarnation? You know why? Because we have a topic about batteries. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You should be wondering it's a why I'm holding PSP? a tiny change machine under my desk. Yeah. What's <laughs> what's up with the tiny change machine? All right, Sam. It just takes so, that everywhere with them. Replicate is making people that are listening at home. Sam has a tiny like arcade change machine. So Replicate is making these Street Fighter cabinets. They made like a centipede and a tempest and stuff, and they're like tiny yeah. little things. They're playable. Uh, they're hard to play with the little controls on there, but they work. But you can plug in a USB stick and, or a USB controller in the back mm-hmm, if you want to play these tiny arcade games. But they are uh, kickstarting. Ooh. They're kickstarting this? Yeah. This thing. A tiny change machine. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so like if you've been to an arcade, you yeah. put your dollar bills in there and it gives you tokens. Yeah. And so like, you know, you don't need to add tiny quarters to this game. In fact, it'd probably be illegal to counterfeit quarters even at that, that size. But here's a little arcade carpet that goes under it. See, it's got the neon little, like, little swirls like arcades back in the day or movie theaters. Anyway, this thing, uh, <laughs> the only purpose of it is to charge USB stuff. So it just looks like a change thing, but you need that because there's controllers that you can use with these now. Anyway, this is a prototype. That's why I'm showing it on GameScoop is because this is just kickstarted. It's kind of like a cool little prototype, but we have this exact change machine uh, at at the place. Yeah, I have machines at, and uh, it breaks all the time. Yeah, also every arcade in the 80s had that exact change machine in bowling alleys. Oh yeah, for sure. I showed this to our head of facilities, Pablo, and he's like, we really need one of those because we have things that run on single quarters here. Uh, Not arcade machines, but... Bending machines, and so I think we're going to look into getting one. Or if you have some sort of ray <laughs> you can use to embiggen this. Um, yeah, it bears repeating. We get questions all the time from GameScoop fans that are visiting San Francisco, and they're asking for places they should visit. And there's an arcade called Free Gold Watch where Sam operates a bunch of pinball tables, and it's an awesome arcade. There's two fans there last week, and I was, of course, there fixing games. So. Of course he was there. He's there every weekend. That's how they recognized me. There's no other recognizable features. They're just like, it must be the guy fixing games. Yeah. There's also, uh, you, you should also consider the Golden Gate Bridge. That's a nice spot, yeah. Not free. Sam operates m- several pinball tables at the Golden Gate Bridge as well. <laughs> Look, I spot them. All the hidden gems brought to you by GameScoop. Yeah. <laughs> you do a travel show where we just talk about places where I earn quarters. Yeah, that's good. Um, this music cue was requested by Simon Duick in Oxford, UK. There's a slight little delay. There we go. Whoa. If you don't know the game, you should at least recognize the console. Why would we recognize the console over the game? Because it sounds like the Sega Genesis. That was super hang on. Would have never guessed that in a million years. I hope you enjoyed that. Simon Duick in Oxford, UK. I was going to guess like a late Outrun track or something. Remember when we had Outrun on 20 Questions? (laughs) Um, That was difficult. Yeah, I do remember that. Well, actually, I don't think it was on 20 Questions. It was on GameScope. Really? Yeah. Not a racing game, a driving game. Driving game. And remember last week there was a que- there was a request for that music from Zero Tolerance on Sega Genesis and we didn't we just guessed it was a side scrolling beat 'em up game. The game is actually a, a first person shooter Doom clone cool. that I played last night and it plays much better than Doom on Super Nintendo. It actually plays really uh, smoothly and looks really great. And I think they managed it because the actual play field is a small Damn. portion of the screen and then there's a large HUD uh, around it. That's what Kirby Games did on it. So they like minimize the actual What's gameplay the, uh, area. It's crazy that you tracked down and bought that cartridge. I did. <laughs> yep. What are you not tolerating in that game? Any other life form <laughs> except yourself. <laughs> what That's are the, the point, life right? forms? Are they animals? There's, they're like aliens. Okay. Yeah. There's like green men. Um, <laughs> but they have, sure. red, they, they have red blood, and if you shoot them next to a wall, their blood splatters Whoa. on the wall. But the best part is it, it it's like <laughs> oh, slides it down, down the wall. Yeah, it drips wow. down the wall. So it's like That's a some physics. It looks really cool. On like, Super Nintendo? No, on yeah. Sega Genesis. You said Super Nintendo. I said it plays better than Doom on Super Nintendo. Oh, okay. Which was another first-person shooter. 
Good fact check, Damon. Anyway. That's Color <laughs> Hidden Gem Doom. I want to play that thing now. <laughs> Not a super fun game, but an impressive one, mm. I would say. Not one that I'm going to be returning to over and over again. Is it in the new Genesis collection? It's not. Although the new Sega Genesis collection just did receive a 9.0 from Seth Macy. Mm-hmm. He said it's better than the SNES Classic. Called yep. it the best mini console, which is like such high praise. There's so many good ones now. There's not a single game in it better than Super Metroid, <laughs> Super Mario World, Yoshi's Island, <laughs> well, or... But there's more games in it. But there's more games in it. It has that. Or Link to the Past. It's got a lot of really nice details that, um, like, I really love that if you switch it to Japanese, it actually changes to the Japanese versions of the games. Like, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine turns into Puyo Puyo. Cool. That's clever. Yeah. And Sonic has some, like, more, like, cloud effects or something. I don't even know that that exists. That, yeah, it's actually completely separate ROMs in some instances. Weird. Cool. Sounds like longer shelf life for sure. Uh, well, speaking of old games, let's run down some uh, significant games released this week in video game history. Just one year ago, 2018, <laughs> we were playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, that were was, we? That was really, well, I, well, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did. Sam did. Yeah, Tina, did you play I that game? I you never got that game. I should, yeah. It was one of those things where a bunch of other games had come out. And yep. just, yeah. Uh, I'd like yeah. it. It's just backlogged for me. I really, yeah, lo- I really love that reboot. I wonder what they're, they're going to go. I love that trilogy. I was just, I was just wondering, like, is there going to be more of that Lara Croft, of that, of that series? I don't know. Did you beat it? Oh yeah, the like, ending's insane. Well, yeah, the last boss fight is just a bunch of. I don't know what the next bunch of the bull. next Tomb Raider is going to be like. I mean, it's not like a bunch of big spoiler things <laughs> or anything, but like the, the, what happens in the end is just crazy. We've said this before on the show. This is something uh, Per Schneider mentioned that I totally agree with. He said, "I want a Tomb Raider game where to- or Lara Croft isn't a superhero. She's just raiding tombs. Well, too not, bad. Not saving the world. She's absolutely a superhero now. I don't need to save the world. I just want to raid some tombs, and I, I totally agree with that." Um, in 2015, the original Super Mario Maker came out four years ago. That's a long time ago. I yeah. can't believe it was four yeah. years ago. It doesn't four? feel like it would have been that long ago. I skipped it. and um, You didn't play it at all? No, I was already off the Wii U by then. Yeah. Um, and so that's why Mario Maker 2 feels especially special. Is just because yeah. it's just such Your a, first Mario Maker. Yeah, amazing. My first Mario experience. Maker experience. It's really good. Uh, in 2014, Destiny was uh, released. A lot of people were reminiscing about Destiny this week. 2013, Plants vs. Zombies 2 was released, and it sucked. <laughs> it was some free-to-play garbage. It's still, it's still stop topping the App Store charts. It's still, still around. sucks. Do you like the first one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the first yeah, one is amazing. like 10 out of 10. Okay. Did we give it a 10? What, Plants vs. Zombies 2? No, 1. I don't know if we did. did I probably gave it, it a 9. I you probably reviewed it and gave it a 9. I might have reviewed Plants vs. Zombies 2. What'd you give it? <laughs> I don't know. I, um, let me check. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check my check. In 2009, the Beatles rock band was released. Oh I saw people tweeting a lot about that this week. That was a pretty big deal. But like, yeah. it was a big deal when it came out, and it was like so at the end of rock band being relevant. Mm. That At 2009? You'd be surprised. They're still selling DLC for oh, know, like I DLC know. tracks and whatnot. But like, so it's relevant within the community yeah. that still plays. Yeah, yeah, but it was like so culturally huge. And yeah. There was, you know, I played it every weekend with friends. Yeah. It, definitely throughout 2007 and eight. And then 2009, I was living here, and I definitely didn't play it as much with friends. Yeah. I did not review it. Cam Shea reviewed Plants for Zombies 2. What did he, he give it? He gave it an 8.7. Cam, get out mm. of here. Oh, Get out of here, Cam. <laughs> uh, in 2006, the original Cookie Mama was released ah. on DS. Hold on. Are you sure? What year was Plants for Zombies 2 from? 2013. 2013. Uh, there might have been an Australian-only review for that one. Mm. And then there's a UK one and a US one. Oh, yeah. we're still doing that in 2013. I'm not sure. You know, it's weird how late that went because I looked up a game like this week that was, you know, the last 10 years. Mm. Like, Whoa, that's funny. That's the Australian review. Mm. Cool. Anyway, Cookie Mama on DS. They're still making Cookie Mama. I really like that game. Yeah. yeah. Game. Yep. That was like at a time, you know, 2006 was when the Wii was released. That was a time the uh, the gaming audience was broadening. They're getting a lot of casual gamers in, and then they're getting different types of games, like in Cooking Mama, that also appealed to more traditional gamers like ourselves, where just five years earlier, there would be nothing like Cooking Mama that we could even... I like how broad play. gaming is now. Yeah, Did you, have sure. you ever played Cook, Serve, Delicious? I know the name, but I haven't played it. Cook, Serve, Delicious, and it's got a sequel, um, are like, they're like Cooking Mama, where you're in a kitchen, just sort of cooking food, serving it to customers, but it's like a hardcore version of that. So it's like, if a core gamer made this really challenging, like you're under a lot of time pressure and like mm. really hard to manage, like really addictive, fun take on that, like just, you know, cooking food, manning mm. a kitchen. It's great. I've also never played Overcooked. 
I remember Cooking Mama was out in that window where Brain Age had got a bunch of olds yeah. to play video games. Mm-hmm. And then like there was like, what else are we going to buy our olds? Yep. And then that was like a good <laughs> Cooking option. Mama. You can also do the casual core thing where like the casual people are just taking directives from the core person who's shouting mm-hmm. orders at mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. In 2005, Burnout Revenge was released, which for my money was the last good Burnout game. Is that four? The fourth one? I Was it? That's what I'm asking. It would be after takedown. Where's R in the alphabet? It's probably like 22 or something. <laughs> I think it is four. Justin, what was released this week in 2001? Oh, I don't know. Yes, uh, you do. Pikmin. Yes, uh, you do. Why are you saying? Why are you looking at me like that? Because it Monkey was Ball. Advance Wars. Special is, Justin. Oh, Advance Wars. Oh, Advance Wars. Advance Wars released on September 11th. Um, yeah, I guess I should have picked up on that. I didn't think yeah. about it. Justin used to own. Uh, an Advanced Wars fan site. Yeah, it remains one of my top five games of all time. And yet. Yeah. I and yet you forgot. Completely bought it. <laughs> <laughs> in 1999, Final Fantasy VIII arrived on PlayStation 1, and that was just re-released recently. And of course, Dreamcast arrived on 9999. We'll talk more about that in just a second, but let's finish these uh, anniversaries. In This week on the PlayStation 1 in 1998 was a huge week because we got uh, Spyro the Dragon, Parasite Eve, Mega Man Legends, and G. Darius, uh, an arcade shooter that I loved myself. What did the Nintendo 64 get that week? I don't know. Nothing. Probably nothing. <laughs> um, and in 96, uh, Crash Bandicoot hit the PlayStation 1. And finally, in 1993, this week in 1993, Mortal Kombat arrived on Whoa. Super Nintendo and Genesis. That was a big release. Yeah. That happened. That's a big deal. Yep, that was a big deal. The Grey Blood. The Grey Blood controversy. I wonder if that yeah, means Mortal Kombat was like out that year earlier on and then that was the port. Yeah, it's really interesting to think about. Like, how long was it in car- arcades before what, it came What year home? did you say? 93. I, I, yeah, I always think of Mortal Kombat as 1992. So do I. That's in, probably in, when it was in Congress. In arcades? Like, yeah, it, it must have been. I mean, it probably was in arcades. In I remember the first time I played Mortal Kombat in arcades, I went, uh, there's like a skate park in Phoenix called The Wedge, and above it was a Peter Piper pizza, which cool. is a chain of pizza stores with uh, uh, arcade machines in it. And uh, went, you know, it was with my friends, they were skating, we went up, up, up to, uh, in the, the skate park was like under a overpass, you know, it was very cool to hang out as an or 11 or 12 and uh one of them go, and, and mortal Kombat was in there and there was like the street fighter 2 and they're like check out this one it has spikes they weren't talking about blood or violence or anything but like, watch the spike level and everyone wanted to play the spike level and you go and you like uppercut somebody <laughs> yeah and they fall through the floor and like get impaled on spikes and that was the coolest thing i had ever seen in my entire life <laughs> like it was a built up level. a little bit that day you know yeah. people were like you got to see this new game you got to see this new game and boy did it deliver yeah and there's pizza grease all over that. Oh, it, boy. It felt so full of secrets. Like, there were the little passcodes you could put in between yeah. the stages. Toasty. Like, yeah, toast the Toasty Man and, like, Hidden Fighters. And, like, it really felt like a game that was just, like, bursting at the seams with, like, you don't know what's going to be next. And then I remember my parents being like, you're not playing that Mortal Kombat game, are you? I'm like, no, no. no, I've never been one of What are you talking about? I play like Boogerman. Do you guys know Boogerman? <laughs> I want it for Christmas. I don't think Boogerman was out in 93. Yeah. Whoa, I bet it was. A pick and flick adventure? I think that's probably more. Well, actually, you know, the there's no way Genesis to know. was four years old at that point. But you're right. Nobody knows. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the Dreamcast, we have a, a lengthy email here from Overlord of the Superfans, Matt Jones, who is a Dreamcast superfan. And he was reminiscing this week. He says, yes, the 20th anniversary of the greatest date in gaming, 9999, has come and gone, but it may be nostalgic for that special time in my life and, in my opinion, the last truly great generational leap in consoles. Mm. I owned a Nintendo 64, but a few special things happened in 99 that made me attach myself to the Dreamcast. I was a Genesis gamer. But I was years late to the party, so I missed out on the disappointment of the Sega Saturn. So I had all the excitement of a Sega launch without any doubt of it being great. I also had just recently moved to a new city after living in the same house for 16 years, so I was a bit broken up after leaving my friends and needed something to take my mind off that. Finally, I had started up my first job and suddenly was flush with disposable income. While most people I knew were getting Final Fantasy VIII, I was hitting up the local Best Buy and getting a new Dreamcast with Soul Calibur. Something happened. I didn't get Sonic Adventure like I had pre-ordered. That game felt like a total revelation. Great fighting mechanics, a deep mission mode. That night was sublime. From there, I went on to purchase damn near every game released and even imported a game for the first time, Samba de Amigo version 2000, for the three short years it was on the market and experienced a taste of what console gaming would become. Online play, I helped beta test NFL 2K1 online and dropped tons of hours into Fantasy Star Online and downloadable content. I downloaded songs for Samba de Amigo for free. It also felt like the first time that console games would look as good or better than their arcade equivalents. And because Sega was so ingrained in the arcade scene, 
felt like the last time we really got lots of arcade experiences on console. Dreamcast games were weird and wild and gorgeous and fun, and while we can still have those experiences, it just doesn't feel the same. Felt like a revolution that failed, but I suppose was really just a transitional console, noting the end of arcades and the start of online. So, Omega Cups, were you all Dreamcast gamers? What were your favorite games for the Dreamcast? I like the whole weird and wild reference, because that's exactly my experience with Mm -hmm. it. Like, the three games that I played probably the most when I could, when my brothers were, would allow me to, um, was Jet Set Radio, Shenmue, and Crazy Taxi. Yeah. Weird and yeah. wild games inherently. And what was the budget for Shenmue 1 and 2? $42 million for Shenmue 1. <laughs> 70-something million dollars for Shenmue 2. Just that's, that's like, you combine those, that's an Avengers movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Wasn't the uh, the kickstarted price for, for Shenmue 3 pretty wild too? Yeah, it wasn't seventy it was like, million dollars. No, I think it was like still six million out. though. Yeah, yeah. For Kickstarter, it's really for, yeah. For Kickstarter, that's insane. Yeah. You guys know, like we, the, the, the Dreamcast launch was pretty epic because there were a bunch of good games out, and that's because it came out in November nineteen ninety eight in Japan. There was a mm. year of the Dreamcast in Japan before it even came here of mm. development and getting games out and stuff, and so they were really able to make a launch happen. Can you imagine that happening now? No, no. Everybody would no. lose their shit. <laughs> I remember the nine nine ninety nine hype, right? Like it was everywhere. It was all over televisions. It was in all the magazines. Like the marketing blitz was, I don't want to say unprecedented, but it was like very aggressive. Like it was hard not to buy into that hype if you were a big gamer. So I, I really liked that, that message. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a really great letter. I completely hated the Dreamcast when I came out. <laughs> what? And it, it, Why though? Because I had got a goddamn Genesis, 32X, <laughs> a Sega CD, mm-hmm. and a Saturn. You had the Saturn? Right in a row. The Saturn was those things came out back to yeah. back, year to year, and I was like, never again, Sega. I'm <laughs> yep. never doing it again. Well, they and, never released another console. And, so. and I feel bad because like I Sam. know I love what they say, weird and wild. Yeah. Wonderful. Weird and wonderful. Uh, those, are like, those are the type of games I like the most now. So I I did miss out. There's yeah. an there's that a murky. Yeah. There's like an alternative future where Sega didn't release the 32X and Sega CD and went straight from the Genesis to the, you know, and even the Saturn. It's like anybody can bounce back from like one iffy console, like Saturn to Dreamcast. And like the Dreamcast is in such a different situation in that scenario. But everybody was so burned that everyone took a wait and see approach. And then they didn't figure well, out that the Dreamcast was great. It wasn't unique. Like I had a Too virtual late. boy and I was like, I'm not going to get a Nintendo 64. This is so stupid. I just yeah. like, I just wasted my time with this thing. And then like a year later, I was like, this Zelda game looks real good. I really, really liked my uh, Dreamcast. I, I, I think I waited. I don't remember what year I got it, but it was like already, you know, being uh, dumped. Like I think I got it for like 60 bucks or something when it was getting close to being discontinued and got, all the good games for that console and played Virtua Tennis and Crazy Taxi and all those games until the wee hours of the morning. Yeah. It's a, it's a sad, it's a sad uh, story. If you read Console Wars, uh, the book, at least the way they tell it, uh, Tom Kalinske and Sega of America really built up the brand in the early 90s and the 16-bit wars, managed to co- go head-to-head with Nintendo uh, against the Super Nintendo. And then the way the book tells it, it was really Sega of Japan that sort of just self-sabotaged the whole thing and made them force them to put out the Saturn, a console that focused on 2D gaming at a time when that was becoming less and less relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Matt says an interesting thing in that letter about it was it, it, that launch coincided with the first time that he sort of had his own disposable income to mm-hmm. buy games. Mm-hmm. And that's like the best feeling where like, you know, I'm 15 and my first job was working, you know, fast food. So my paychecks were small, right? They're like... 140 bucks, 180 bucks, 200 bucks. But I didn't have any expenses <laughs> yeah. at all. Like you feel, you, you'll never feel like a richer person in your life than when you're a teenager getting your first paycheck. Like, yeah. and yeah, that's true. And you know, even though I still had to budget, like just the feeling of like, I can buy a game. Like when you go from having to like strategically think about birthdays and Christmases to be like, I can just buy it was the best feeling. And then trade it in and trade it in and trade it in. <laughs> get five bucks off each time that you get a new game. And we're, we're about the same age, so it was around the same era, I think, when you know that was happening with me and I was able to sort of buy what I wanted. Yeah. It's great. I didn't buy a Dreamcast at launch. I bought it off of a friend uh, who 
got bored with it. I think he bought it just to play Marvel vs. Capcom, mm. and then when he's bored with it, he sold it to me. Uh, and then I took it off his hands mostly to play Project Justice, which was a Rival Schools game. Uh, Rival School is my favorite fighting game. This is more like a Rival Schools 1.5, not really a full sequel. But it was awesome. And then also the Dreamcast is a great console for the types of arcade shooters that I like. So Mars Matrix, mm-hmm. uh, Gunbird 2, Giga Wing 1 and 2, just lots of like... like he vert- made up one of those names. Vertically scrolling shooters where you control a spaceship is my jam and there were lots of great games on the dreamcast for that but then i also played through a very significant game i remember on the dreamcast i played through resident evil code veronica which is a fun resident evil game did you guys see in like it was in our company slack thread somebody's shared a tweet that was like a dreamcast news cast from the time it was like from oh. like right before the release mm. did you guys watch that mm. it was like basically a you know a bunch of squares that didn't know anything about video games because that was like totally news coverage at the time talking about this upcoming game and they got some names wrong and stuff like that that was all funny but uh, they did talk about how it was 60 frames per second and then they would show the footage and like i now realizing like so many games ran at 60 on the dreamcast and it made it look like smooth and crazy looking compared to other games like there was no 3d consoles that were yeah. doing that very often and they really tried to lock it in. I, I just remember seeing Soul Calibur at a friend's house for the first time. Be like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And in the footage, in that thing, I was watching it. I was like, this still looks incredible mm-hmm. because it's so smooth. Even though the polygon counts are up and everything, like graphics have not changed dramatically since then for yeah. like art- artistic games. There was yeah. a lot that was groundbreaking about the Dreamcast. Like Shenmue was weirdly um, in the open world category, like re- introduced people to concepts that hadn't oh, that really been like known at the time. The total yeah. original for a lot of 3D open yeah. world exploration. Yeah, exactly. So it was definitely the the birthplace for a lot of that cool new stuff. Mm. It My- single-handedly brought down Sega apparently too. <laughs> <laughs> well, double-handedly because there was a second one also. Yeah. <laughs> um, I bought my Dreamcast used and I'm just now remembering that it would only work if I had it upside down. It wouldn't cool. read the discs. There was something wrong cool. with the laser. I think you could do that with the PlayStation 1. Yeah, also. If, if Why yours, would it work upside down? I'm trying so, to even think of like, some, something about how the Because lasers, lasers fall down. Lasers yep. fall downwards. Yes. Like gravity. And then later my PS2 would only work uh, 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 vertically. It wouldn't work laying flat either. Uh, lasers fall down is a name for a band. I, I love figuring yeah. out that stuff when you're like, I don't remember how I figured out how I could yeah. fix my NES games, but I knew how at some point. Yeah. You just try everything. Cause like you're a little kid and you're just like, I'm just going to turn it around, get turn it upside down, get to bang it a few times. It's working. <laughs> yep. When I was hired at IGN in 2006, the Dreamcast had been dead for years, but then several of the Dreamcast super fans on staff, like Hillary Goldstein, Eric Rudvig, they resurrected yeah. the channel and they were re-reviewing every single Dreamcast <laughs> game as like a, like a year-long project. What a, per- what a great use of time. Great. <laughs> it's just nothing more important to be those working were, on. Those were the days, for sure. <laughs> this episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. 
Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Mm, bubble bobble? Is that bubble bobble? Yeah, it is. I think so. Uh, we also have, uh, I mentioned before at the top of the show, the NES Encyclopedia. This is a book that it's out now. Let's see. This was out in uh, July. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. It'll run you $40. And it uh, attempts to catalog every game released for the, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, as well as all the unlicensed games. That's my favorite section. That were released here, too. And that'll include all the Tengen games. Mm-hmm. It's not all just like shovelware. No, I mean, like stuff. Tetris and Alien Syndrome and, yeah. I don't know, Pac-Man. Uh, and it just it, it alphabetically lists every single game released for the NES with a little description and then a fact. So as I like to do whenever we get a, a book like this, what do you think would be the first entry in an alphabetical list of NES games? 720. Not a- Adam 720. Um, <laughs> it is a number game. It's, it's a, always going to be a number uh, game. Uh, right? uh, is there like a thousand what, one Arabian What nights? would come before 72? <laughs> <laughs> Ten-yard ten fight. Ten-yard fight. Ah, Football game. Ten-yard fight is the first entry. Um, the fact is, Irem's early Famicom cartridges, including Ten-yard fight, had a red LED light in the middle of them. When he switched on the console, the cartridge lit up. Cool. Fancy. I didn't know that. But I guess in just the Famicom cartridges, not the... Yeah, so we wouldn't have got that here. But that's a cool thing. Versions. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why not? <laughs> okay. And what would be the final entry in a alphabetical Physics. of... Zizix? Yeah. No. That might have been a Super Nintendo game. Hold on. I think it's a game you know. Uh, the Adventures of Lolo with a Y? <laughs> it's probably not. There's probably something after Zelda Zoop? 2. Yeah, so Zelda 2 is near the end. Yeah. But that's not the Zelda final entry. Just... The final entry would be Zombie Nation. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love that game so much. <laughs> that's where you play a flying head? Mm-hmm. You're a flying samurai head, yeah. and you uh, <laughs> barf on zombies and kill them and everything, and a flying, like, side-scrolling shooter. It's worth so much money. I have it. I think you fight the Statue of Liberty in that game. You fight whatever gets in front of you. <laughs> yeah, just like in uh, that Genesis shooter that Damon was playing. It's also made by a company. Zero tolerance. A company called Meldac. Mel, Meldac. <laughs> but then the developer is Kays. Yeah. It's just a or guy. maybe it's Kaze if it's a Japanese developer. Unclear. Uh, there are three NES games with Doctor in the title. Mm. Can you name them? Okay. <laughs> Dr. Mario. That's right. Doctor, oh man! <laughs> I know there's one that's Doctor Doom. Is that what close, it's Dr. close. Death. You're probably thinking of Doctor Chaos. Doctor Chaos. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the third one is an infamously bad game that I've mentioned on the show. Is it licensed? That I spent my hard-earned allowance money on. Is it licensed? It is, well, kind of. It's based on a property. I don't know if it was like a. Oh really? Doctor Pepper. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, that one sucks. And then finally, one last fact that I uh, learned while reading this. There are two Godzilla games on NES. They're both bad. But Godzilla 2... No, Godzilla 2 is famous for being like a real-time strategy game. But not good. I, it's not I, good. I know people that like that game. Okay, I don't think it's very good. Um, <laughs> My friend Alex likes it. Listen to this. Godzilla 2, War of the Monsters on NES. One of the few NES games released in the Western world where the developer remains unknown to this day. <laughs> How is that possible? Nobody How seems to want possible? to claim it for some reason. So published by Toho, the movie studio, nobody knows who developed Godzilla 2 on NES. <laughs> so if you wow. developed Godzilla 2, write us, write us at, at gamescoop.ign.com. Yeah. <laughs> we want an interview. Nobody yeah. knows. That's really <laughs> That's amazing. funny. <laughs> Like, yeah. surely there's a paper track. Did you fact check that? <laughs> I really need to know. It's now. in a book, Tina. Well, that, then it's true. Yeah. Obviously. Maybe we can have the it video game industry people look into that one. Yeah. They yeah. figured out where the origin of today's date comes from, National Video Game Day. It came right. from one guy who totally made it up. We wrote that on the Like every track. holiday. Mm-hmm. Like every. Well, technically true. <laughs> <laughs> the NES Encyclopedia is available now. Let's check in with the listeners. That was DuckTales. Hey, listeners. That was DuckTales. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Rob from Dallas did. And he says, hi, Goose Camp. Does the Switches, Nintendo Switches, custom battery 
which can't be easily removed or replaced, make the idea of console preservation or retro gaming decades from now difficult. I think most retro handhelds use disposable batteries, which can be easily removed, bought at stores. On the Switch, even keeping the console boxed causes the battery to degrade as rechargeable batteries crystallize, if not routinely put through full charge cycles. How would you preserve a console for posterity, collecting, and retro gaming? Mm. Console like the Switch. Good question. Great. I have so much experience with this. So when you buy an old, uh, mainly pinball machines, they, on the game board itself, there's a, usually three AA batteries. Um, and that keeps like your high score saves. So when you turn off the game, it comes back on. Mm. When you get a, a one that's never been touched for like 10 years or 20 years or whatever, the battery acid is just, it just follows the traces all over the computer board and just destroys everything. It's just like this like sad, you know, tears of death, like all over wow. it. And it's sometimes irreversible and that's a huge problem. So like if you're ever going to store something like that for a long time, you pop out the batteries. Um, but uh, so that, that is already a problem with just like your batteries can hurt your shit. But here's the other thing. This PSP I have, this battery is already broken in it. Uh, it's puffy, and I cannot close Ooh. the back of this PSP anymore. That it's seems like, dangerous. like the battery actually swells. Yeah. yeah, the battery is swollen, and this wasn't like this like last year. And I, I use this PSP because it this battery is actually one. It's like one of those cracked ones. You had to actually crack the battery at the time, which mm. is like a really weird thing you had to do uh, to play NES games on it and stuff like that. And I hadn't played this in years, and this is what happened. So is already, the swelling like a heat thing from repeated use? I think it's stage. it's what he's talking about. I don't know if it's like crystallization or whatever, mm. but it's like it's like the actual chemical components in here right. have yep. now swollen. They can because, explode too. Yeah, because there's a, been a reaction in here that's Uh-oh. like just. I know it's sitting. kind of freaking me out. Yeah. Well, My usually what happens when that happens is that days. it starts. Yeah. I should bring that in. Usually what happens is it starts leaking. It doesn't, you know, yeah. it, I, I'm sure things can explode if you add power to them. But uh, at this point, like it is just going to start leaking and destroy it. But yeah, I cannot close this PSP. But with this, unlike what you're talking about, you can actually take out the battery and you could p- presumably you, replace this battery or run it on without power. Our PSP battery is readily available. No, they're not. And like, you, yeah, you can get them, but they're not like brand, made brand new, so they could be puffy and on the shelf now. You know. Well, and you have the added wrinkle that in the switch, the battery is hard to replace. It's not in an accessible port or mm-hmm. something that you know an average yeah, consumer could easily do. Spudge. <laughs> Spudger is one of the Spudger? tools you have to use. Yeah, I want to point out uh, that's, that's a pry tool that helps you get out things. You can replace uh, the battery on your Switch. You can get a replacement battery on Amazon for about twenty bucks, and then a quick search on YouTube will find you a step by step tutorial. It involves unscrewing the back of your Switch and re- you know removing some things, but it is possible. Not for me. You have to use a spudger. It's one of the yeah. tools. Does that you void your warranty? That reminds it me will void your warranty. Yeah. But twenty years from now, that's probably not. Right. Do you remember the afterburner backlight kits for the original Game Boy Advance, where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's really easy. You buy this light, and then you open up your Game Boy and stick it behind the screen and then like everyone was doing it online and they're like there's a bunch of dust under my screen now what oh (laughs) everybody get down um the good you hear an explosion uh, while you're looking at (laughs) home is because Sam's PSP battery exploded shaking it up a lot uh so that battery says it's it it's a provides 12 volts and some sort of uh milliamp rating so that's the good news right is that you can uh, hook up a power supply to anything uh this just has you know, like basic terminals in it. And so you could easily, uh, well, not easily, but if you had a, a switching power supply, for example, that you have in a PC, that actually provides 12 volts. I don't know about the ampage, but like I could run this on a PC power supply if I really got my shit together. Cool. But uh, so, you know, that's the future of this stuff. Just take the battery out and run it without it. Maybe but it will Nintendo ruin your stuff. We'll go for a hundred years. Yeah. And then no support. I, or they'll make a Switch Mini. I bet they've already been around for a hundred years. Don't you think they've had a helpline? <laughs> Switch? No, no. I'm mean, talking about, yeah. Nintendo, Nintendo, because oh, they've yeah. been around for so long. Yeah. I bet they people years. have been calling them for years and being like, guys, my cards got moldy. You said they weren't going to get moldy. And then they replaced their cards. Yeah. For the, uh, their Hanafuti cards. The context of Rob's question, which was like game preservation, the battery is probably a little bit less worrisome than just the online shops themselves shutting down. Like the mm-hmm. Wii U eShop is shut down and there were games that were exclusive to it that just now cannot be bought and downloaded in any legal way. Yeah. You know, we don't even know the shelf life of plastic. Like that's never been tested because you can only test it by time. There's plastics from the original era of plastics about a hundred years ago, which are like melty and deteriorating and they just hit their shelf life. Hmm. We don't know. Like the, the, all of the stuff that we like now is it's not going to last forever. Hmm. And plastic's one of those things that, that lasts the longest. We know it's been in landfills forever and stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Kind of sad. Yeah. I think I think it's a soft records better never go away. Vinyls? Yes. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> presence as a joke or otherwise. I was okay. Sorry. It's okay to say 
I'd can't. like to hear that on vinyl or I'd like to buy that on vinyl. Um, what's it called? This is driving me crazy. What's it called when a company uses their own tech? They have their own tech. Proprietary? Proprietary. Thank you. That was just driving me nuts while you were <laughs> You know what's dumb with your proprietary controller? Is this little slider. I haven't touched oh. this in so mm. long. Feel how dumb that feels. Yeah. Or but it's like, the DS, it's like the Nintendo DS. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember this little guy. Yeah. Little 3D yeah, or the analog. It kind of feels good, but maybe not like four games. Right. I yeah. played maybe it's three games on mine. Right? It's like, yeah. this is cool, but then it's yeah, just like it's you play and you're like, yeah. I really love the stress PSP. Relief. That analog nub was such a very light Achilles heel. Well, without the battery. It's a cool uh, Darth Vader sticker on the back too. Yeah, I got this as payment for a strategy guide I wrote for Battlefront 2. I got 200 bucks and this from IGN. Amazing. I was just a wee <laughs> freelancer. That is pretty amazing. Um, all right, we've got one more email to go through here. Damn, what was that? That's when you get a hole-in-one on Kirby's Dream Course. Nice. You've been playing that, right? Uh, I was trying to play it. I, it doesn't give you much in the way of a tutorial. It's very obtuse. I can be your tutorial. Okay, all right. Well, this is Andrew. He says, Scoop, I was thinking the other day, what with all the new Disney Plus stuff and every other streaming service competing with their own content? Obviously, we've had console exclusives for a long time. I was wondering how long we think it will be before we see a Game Pass exclusive, a game that you cannot purchase on your Xbox. You can only download it and play if you are a Game Pass subscriber. I mean, Nintendo I, already did that. What, with like uh, Tetris 99? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's games that are obviously locked to downloads and like, you know, Geometry Wars and stuff. So, Well, this is different. This is like Netflix oh, losing, yeah, like yeah. Netflix losing mm-hmm. a license to something. I think if Stadia kicks off, and is actually a successful thing, mm. we might start seeing it effectively its competitors trying to do the same thing where it's like an exclusive to a, to a service. It's a little bit from a business standpoint, you know, it feels like a step back from what Microsoft is already doing, where if you subscribe to Game Pass, you get the game, or you can also buy the game. Mm. So to take away the option to buy the game, I don't know how much sense that makes just monetarily. If you can position it as a perk, like a subscriber perk and not yeah. just, yeah. It would be something like Tetris 99, right? It wouldn't be right. like the next Gears of War. Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I don't know how much money they want to make. Like, I'm sure selling games individually is going to end up being more worth their time than having people subscribe to their service for now. But I, mean, I guess that could flip over at some point. Game Pass mm-hmm. is such an amazing service, by the way. It is an amazing. I, every service. time it comes up on Scoop, I just feel the need to just give kudos to Microsoft for being so forward thinking. And um, like, you can subscribe to Game Pass and pay that play their newest, biggest AAA game right now. Like, mm-hmm. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> I think it's a good point. I'm just trying to think. I'm, I, th- I think the idea of a, of a, of a subscription exclusive game is, is, is a good idea. And I hadn't thought of the Tetris 99 example, but that is a really good one. Yeah. But I, you it know, used to be things like um, one versus 100 on Xbox Live. Yeah. I think oh, yeah. It's, it was so cool, right? That was well, awesome. You know what's messed up is like every NES and Super Nintendo game is locked behind that for for the uh, for Switch. Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, I mean you can't yeah. just buy those games. Yeah, yeah. you right. could easily. It's already happening. Then that's actually a really good point. I wonder if we're going to see like a Game Pass, like you know, free OG Xbox or Xbox 360 games, like mm-hmm. cycle through Game Pass or be added to Game Pass over time. That'd be yeah. really interesting. Uh, Andrew also has a postscript. Says I was thinking about how much of a missed opportunity it is that Microsoft didn't take advantage of their terrible naming convention to have more games for the current console with one in the title, Halo One, Gears One. It would have been terrible and awesome. Yeah, it would have been great. Yeah. Terrible it. and awesome. <laughs> that is a good point. I think Microsoft dropped the ball on that one. Game Pass, great. Not putting one in their game titles, not great. There's no cops anymore. You can do whatever you want. God of War was the hottest new game of 2018. Uh, mm. Ubisoft can't decide whether they want colons in their game titles or not. Do whatever you want. <laughs> There are no cops, only Omega cops. And that brings us to video game 20 questions. <laughs> oh, Bob. Uh, our suggestion this week comes from Brandon in Central Florida. The game is not DuckTales, by the way. So Central the Florida? DuckTales is getting its 30th anniversary next week. This week. What, the is it the show or the game? No, the game. Wow. And the show is even older than that, then. All right. I think it might be the best game ever made, everybody. (laughs) Let the questioning begin. Is it DuckTales? Do you play in the first-person perspective? No. Hey, before we let the questioning proceed. It already did. I was just saying proceed. It was allowed to begin. Uh, (laughs) I recently was stumped on this show, along with my cohorts here, and offered to respond uh, personally to anybody that stumps us. Mm -hmm. And I did it. Was not a joke. Mm -hmm. 
let that continue. So this okay. is Brandon from Florida. This is Brandon from Central Florida. All right. If if you're from like Southern Florida or whatever, like don't get in touch with me. <laughs> but Central Florida, Brandon, uh, let me know if you win. I'll give you a shout out. We'll All define. Right. We'll figure out the exact latitude of like if you're here or higher. <laughs> we'll ask Casey. She's from Florida. Yeah, she'll know. Yeah. Anyway, not a not a first person game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it from before two thousand? No. Uh, did this game appear on a Nintendo console? No. Was it a platform exclusive? Uh, only for a very short time. So not really. Ooh, good one. Mm. Wow. We got an extra detail on that one. Yeah. Well, okay. For like two months. Was it first on a PlayStation console? No. That's five. <laughs> Is it part of a series? Yes. What was such a short timed exclusive? Tomb Raider. Yeah, that was like a year. Yeah, you're right. Um, okay, I don't want to get too hung up on that part. Um, I, I don't know. I want to narrow down yeah. time period? Yeah, I, I think we give up. Okay. <laughs> six questions. This game up Brandon from Central the, Florida. This the, has been six questions. That's all the scoops we have. It did not appear on a Nintendo console. Is this on current gen consoles? <laughs> Sam thinks that's hilarious. <laughs> I just have some funny questions. I want to ask. I'm waiting. No, it is not on current gen consoles. Just go no, I, I want to know. <laughs> no, no, no. I got nothing yet. Hi, hi, hi. everybody. Uh, did this? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, did this have? Uh, was it well received? Yes. Wait, I, I already forgot what you said about current gen. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, <clears throat> um, do you shoot guns? Yes. Did this game come out on the Xbox 360? No, that's what ten. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> did it come out on? Was it from so the original. GameCube generation? Or, I mean, it wasn't on the GameCube, I know, but, you know. That, from that generation, yes. Well, That's, so, okay, so it was on the Xbox yeah. or a Dreamcast first. So it could be, other okay, games. okay, okay, okay. So it could be, like, Splinter Cell eventually. Don't you think it's a Dreamcast game, guys? <laughs> that's actually pretty uh, good, but that's a pretty good point. That would be too obvious. No. Really? I think it's, Plus, the, exact, it's not chosen by the exact right amount of obvious. Mm. Is this game too obvious? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just. I'll, I'll, did this game appear on the Dreamcast? No. Oh. Okay, you're right. That was too obvious. <laughs> yes. All right, let's rewind this because Tina was right. <laughs> um, eight questions left. Okay. I'm still. I'm thinking about Splinter Cell. And that was a brief Xbox exclusive. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a crucial piece of information. Oh yeah. In my mind, yeah. In in my very hazy memory, is that third person? That yeah, it was third person. It was on Xbox first, and then later came to PS2. But that could be completely. Is it multiplayer? The original? I don't know. This is a third-person shooter. Hold on. You already know that it's not first-person and you shoot guns. Yeah, do you no want point to asking that. ask that question? Okay. Yeah, I, I guess think. I don't need to now. I mean, I think I would, right? I what would, if it was a top-down game or a space shooter or something? So what are you asking? Well, not, I don't have to ask anymore because <laughs> you gave it away. We know it's a third-person shooter. End of story. I give up. I'm out of here. <laughs> is there multiplayer? There is not Multiplayer. Does this game take place in like a modern day version of Earth? No. Whoa. Does it take place in the future? No. Cool. That is 15. Could be Morrowind. Was Morrowind not on PC at the same time? And also that's a... You're right. I was only thinking about Xbox, and I don't know how that release compares. Well, PC could be the console it was on first exclusively, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but you don't shoot guns in that, and it's in the. It's in, and, this and is a pasty game. It's part of a series. You're right. You don't shoot guns. Wait, 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 wait. Shoot. It's a pasty game with guns. It's Red Dead. What was or that? gun? Yeah, it could be Red Dead Revolver. Mm-hmm. Is this a Western game? No. Oh. <laughs> It's a pasty game with guns? We don't know it's a pasty game. We know it's not a current or future game. So it could be... A... I really don't know where you're going with this. Yeah, if it's not yeah. current or future. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, are there like noir games? That would fit the description? Could be Vice City. Could be Vice City. Part of a series. Yeah, and it came out on that generation of consoles, and it came out on one console first. Pasty. Does this game have a real good soundtrack? Uh, does this game not, have a soundtrack with 80s music? 
Does this game have a soundtrack with 80s music? No. Okay. Well. <laughs> oh, it's not your, even the right console. No, it is the right console. Are your enemies humans? Good question. Some of them. Okay, so it's it's mixed. I don't know. What are you smiling about? <laughs> what do we miss here? This yeah, what did you miss? <laughs> what, what did what we narrow down the time period? Miss? Sort of the console. Well, we didn't really narrow down the console. We could ask. Well, it's not uh, PlayStation. It's, it's PC or Xbox. Yeah, it's got to be a GBA. We don't really know what the genre is. Well, no, third person. Yeah, I was so sure it was Vice. In what scenario would you shoot guns in the past? A freaking Western game. Turok mm-hmm. Dinosaur Hunter. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the lore of like Turok is. I'm like, splitters. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Is that, first that was person on GameCube, though? though, oddly. First, first person? Yeah, that's also FPS. Is it, does this game have time travel in it? No. That's a really good question. Well, then, man. <laughs> this is it. You can guess a game. This can we hear the, the boss music just to pump us up? The final I don't <laughs> Um, Damon tried to give us such a good hint there at the end. Mm-hmm. What's yeah, a game where you're some- shooting guns in the past, but then... We're all like, oh, it's a time travel game. <laughs> but then it ain't. I mean, and it's not a Western. A World, World War II game. It's a World War II game. We're oh, idiots. Yes. Yeah, we are idiots. But it's not an FPS. So what's a third person World War II shooting game that didn't appear that... I can only think of first person. Yeah, it's like, you know, Call of Duty was already... I feel like around. Medal of Honor wasn't? No, that was FPS. Um, and then there's a battlefront stuff that's always been FPS. Man, yeah. oh, it could be a Star Wars game because that was technically a long, long time. Oh ago. my gosh, <laughs> that's true. No, I think it's something more obviously past. Like, so if it is a Star Wars game, and he did laugh when we were talking about in the future and the past, so that it's probably a Star Wars game. But did we ask if it was licensed? We asked if it was part of the series. Yeah, could, which it? Oh, and, and we, Jedi. Um, did we ask licensed? We didn't. So it could be like, uh, what was what? Je- it's I, Jedi Knight 2, because that was on Xbox for a little bit, and then it was ported to the GameCube. Okay. But right? this didn't come to the GameCube at all. No, no, it did. It, it was a brief game that came out. I think we asked games. if it appeared on a Nintendo console, and he said no. Did we say that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think right. that was your question. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long 20 questions, I'm just yeah. saying. Well, we're here at the end. <laughs> Well, we got we no idea. Should we, we have used the hack a long time ago? Do we have a guess? Was Dark Force? I see because I get those games mixed up where they used they were FPS only, and then they then then they switched like third person. Like I don't know, like Dark Jedi Dark Forces Two Jedi Knight, and there was Jedi Knight Two. They dropped the Dark Forces, and I don't really know that much about them. I know. I mean, the Jedi Knight Two thing is like on everybody's mind, but I just I seem to recall Damon and I actually talking about it coming out of GameCube. Yeah, I just might just be remembering up, that. Didn't it just come up like a couple weeks ago? And then yeah, I think it came up in the context of the GameCube. I don't know. I don't know. That's as good a guess as any. Is this Star Wars something something? Is it? <laughs> it counts. Is That's it, not going to get you close enough. Okay. Is it? Oh, so then it is. Yeah. Is is it Star Wars Jedi Knight Two? Yeah. I think it's a good guess. No. Aww. It is not Star Wars Jedi Knight Two. It is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic <laughs> Two. Uh, <laughs> Out on Xbox, December 2014 hit PC in February or, or 2004 hit PC February of 2005. There's no guns in that game. There are guns. No, lots, there's not. There's lots blasters. of guns. Blasters. Okay. Well, we 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 asked you shoot things. Yeah. Oh. Well, we were fools. Yeah. I did. I did mm. say that. Takes All right. place. I guess I have to talk to somebody in Florida now. <laughs> Takes place a long, long. Thanks for time nothing, ago. you two. Would have been yeah. In hindsight, <laughs> knowing that it was an RPG, knowing it was made. Well, you didn't know it was an RPG. But that's yeah. why we knew it was an RPG. We no, might have got. Like, but that's we why you like, thought it was a third-person shooter. I, yeah, I was trying, trying to trying. think more. We, we didn't ask. Line. We didn't ask whether it was developed in America. That's why it's very mm. helpful. What's up with the brief? I think we need thirty the questions. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need thirty questions. What's up with the briefly? It came out on Xbox in December of 2004 and then on PC of February 2005. Whoa, is that quick? Hmm. That's really fascinating. I always yeah. think about those, you know, as I, I always associate them with Xbox. Yeah. This is one of those where somebody was just like, I knew this on question six, what is wrong with you? And they just listened <laughs> mm-hmm. to the whole thing and get angrier and yeah. angrier. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, I'm not sorry. Because <laughs> that's how I feel now too. Uh, yes. Uh, well, thank you, Brandon from Central Florida. No. No, hit up Sam for your 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 personal message, and Sam will respond to you. I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm just joking about not being excited about it. 
Um, Here's Friday the 13th on NES. The fact is that Friday the 13th is perhaps best known for its refreshingly blunt failure screen, you and your friends are dead, game over. Did you do that because tomorrow is Friday the 13th? Oh, I didn't even know what? that. I didn't even put that together. I thought you did it for That's a special spooky. episode. Yeah, Tomorrow's Friday the 13th, and I just opened this to Friday the 13th. It's uh, already the Friday the 13th in Japan where that game was developed. Oh my gosh, oh. you're right. This is, this is a cursed book. Yeah. This is the same. If you want to pick up this cursed book, you can go to. It's $40 on Amazon. (laughs) $40 to be cursed. Uh, That's about all the scoops we have for you this week. I'll curse you for half that. Yeah. It's a horrible. Tweet at me. Deal. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The fun fact is the Jehovah section actually contradicts the film. In the movie, Indian nearly falls to his doom when he steps on the J before realizing that in the Latin alphabet, it's actually Yehovah with an I. Mm hmm. But you have to step on a J. When itchy, it scratches <laughs> bones. And you actually it. have to step on the J in the game. Yeah. What if that's a really big and funny screw up? Well, well, there's two Indiana Jones and the Last Crusades on NES. Heck yeah, there's two. What? There's two games with the same name. Mm-hmm. One is ninety one. One is ninety three. Yeah, different. You can't just do that. You can't just make the game again. The second it, one's from Ubisoft. They did it. That's crazy. Wow. Ubisoft released its own Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade game two years after Taito's in a move that doubtlessly confused many an American gamer. Not so much in Europe, which didn't get the Taito game. It didn't confuse a lot of people because nobody bought that second one and it's really rare now. <laughs> this time, the Jehovah pub- uh, puzzle follows the movie. Nice. Let's go. Good work, Ubisoft. I could read this thing all day, but uh, let's mercifully end this podcast now. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address... Game scoop. You didn't earn that. You did not. Aww. We won. Earn that. <laughs> I heard the music. Email address gamescoop at ign.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Sam. Hey, you're Thank welcome, you, Tina. Buddy. Thank you, Brandon from Central Damon. Florida. You're Thanks a good friend. for nothing. I try. <laughs> I leave you this week with my brand new song, Come On Human. I'm really proud of the lyrics on this one. I'd love to hear what you think and how you interpret them. Come On Human is available now in your favorite music service. My name is Damon. This is IGN Games Group, and we're out. Dress your
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.